The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. This morning, we're going to be talking about what is the church, carrying on this series about the church. And if you remember last week, we were actually asking that question, what is the church? Uh, We're asking that, or rather I have been reflecting on that because of all the differences that are going on and the fact that we're doing things at home and in different ways. It just begs to ask the question again, what is the church? And for us to investigate that so that we know what the church is and how we can best be as church. And last week I brought up two particular elements that I felt were important. And uh, just to recap on those, firstly, we come as individuals. The church is made up of individuals. It's made up of individual, single people who all come together to create the body of Christ. And it's important for us to realise that because at the last judgment, at the last day, we're not going to be standing as a corporate group. We're going to be standing before God as individuals to actually uh, hear about what we have done with our lives. And we find salvation as individuals. And so as individuals, we need to work out our salvation day by day. So I'm speaking to you as an individual. Every one of you, you are part of the body of Christ, but you are individuals, and that's individuals that make up the church. So firstly, we come as individuals, and then secondly, we looked at this, that we join together in unity, and as a a group together, a unified group together, then we carry out Jesus' purposes here upon the earth. The body is the church and there's the head which is Jesus Christ and he gives his instructions to his body so that the body can carry out those instructions upon the earth. And there's more that we want to add to these two elements that we've already started looking at but as today is Pentecost Sunday then I thought it would be good for us just to recap about Pentecost Sunday and I want to look at the power that helps us to be his body, the church, here upon the earth. That power that helps us to stand and to represent God's kingdom, even though we're living here on the earth, as I say. And so a title for today's message would be this, Clothed with Power. Clothed with Power. After Jesus had risen from the dead, but before he had ascended back into heaven, he met up with his disciples on a number of occasions. The first time was actually on the day that he rose from the dead. It was in the evening, although he had met up with some of the disciples at various times during the day. And the disciples now in the evening were gathered together. They were in one place and they were talking about the things that were going on and had been happening. In fact, suddenly there was another two that joined with them. These were two who lived in the village of Emmaus, which was some seven miles away from Jerusalem. And they had met with Jesus on their way home from Jerusalem. And as they had broken bread in their home with Jesus, they suddenly realised, wow, this is Jesus. And so they had come all the way back from their village, back to meet up with the other disciples in Jerusalem. And they were just sharing what had happened to them and the fact that they had seen Jesus when suddenly, in the midst of that situation, Jesus himself comes. And he starts to talk to his disciples. And Luke records what happened in terms of this. Luke 24 Verses 45, 45, I beg your pardon, to 49. 
It says, then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And again, we read in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, where Jesus says to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, we in our church here, we baptize in water, and we do that by putting somebody under the water so they're completely immersed in the water, totally covered. That's why we call it full immersion. And here, Jesus is saying to his disciples that they need to be staying in the city of Jerusalem until they have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, until they have been clothed with power from on high. And there is that sense of being completely covered, completely immersed in the Holy Spirit. And we know that the promise that was made was actually fulfilled on what now we call was the day of Pentecost. And so this morning I'm going to ask six questions about this baptism in the Holy Spirit to help us to understand it. And hopefully these questions will help to unpack it a little bit. So the questions are these. What was its purpose? Who is it for? What does it look like? Is it necessary? How does it help? And finally, how can I receive this empowering? So let's start with the first question. What was its purpose? Well, the very fact that this gift was promised would indicate to us that heaven itself felt this is necessary for us to be empowered so that we could be effective disciples of Jesus. And the purpose of this baptism in the Holy Spirit, this clothing with empowerment, is that we might be strengthened and made ready, empowered, literally, to be witnesses of Jesus wherever we go. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what was its purpose? It was that we might receive power to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Secondly, who is it for? Was it just to be for the apostles of Jesus' day? Well, no, we believe it is for every believer. And look just at what Peter says on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost itself, when the apostles had received this outpouring, Peter gets up to explain to everybody what's going on. Because there was a commotion, as everybody heard people speaking in their own languages, and this was all coming from the disciples. So Peter stood up and he speaks to the crowd. Acts chapter 2 records this. Acts chapter 2, verses 16 to 18. Peter's talking about the prophet Joel. And he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So as we see from that particular word that Peter was sharing with the crowd, it's for everyone. 
This outpouring is for everyone, male and female, young and old, rich and poor, it is for everybody. But God doesn't want to force it on people, he wants people to want it, to receive it into their lives. And he wants his disciples to embrace the gift that he is giving to us. So, who is it for? It is for everybody. What does it look like? And by that I mean is what happened when this outpouring came? Well, when we read in Acts chapter 2 of the outpouring on the first day of Pentecost, then it was symbolised by actual tongues of fire, little flames of fire that came to rest on the apostles' heads. And that's how it appeared. But from then on in scripture when it is mentioned, that doesn't seem to be the case. But what does seem to be the case is that there is something that happens when people receive this Holy Spirit baptism. Something stirs people, so much so that often what is recorded is that people start worshipping and praising God. There's an uprise of praise and thanksgiving. There's an outburst of praise and thanksgiving. Something, a, is something visual, something that is happening around people. People are being stirred. So in each case, there's something that happens, and that is what it looks like. Fourth question is this. Is it necessary? Is it necessary for us? Well, let's just stop and think for a moment. If Jesus told his disciples to wait until they had received this gift, then it certainly sounds that as far as Jesus was concerned, this is very necessary or was necessary for them. And also we would reflect back on John the Baptist who came before Jesus to prepare the way for him. He said he was, he was looking for the one who was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And eventually he found out this was Jesus. John told, John told us this in John chapter 1 verses 33 to 34. He said, The man on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Then John said, I have seen and testify that this is the Son of God. And of course he was talking about Jesus. So John was expressing to people, Jesus, this Lamb of God as he called him, he was the one who was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus thinks it's necessary, and this was one of the reasons that Jesus came to actually pour out the Holy Spirit, then surely this clothing with, on, this clothing with power, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, is what God himself wants his witnesses, his disciples to have. So I think that the Bible does make it very clear that this is what we need. But in any case, let's not just take that for, uh, as our example. If we go back to scripture, what we see is that the apostles and the disciples were very keen for every new convert to receive this baptism. And so this is what we read in scripture. Let's take a look at that. First of all, there's the preaching in Samaria. Now, after Stephen had been martyred and it was stoned, it says that the church was scattered. So at this point, the disciples, having been in Jerusalem, they were now moving out and they took the gospel with them wherever they went. It says that Philip, one of those, went and preached in Samaria. And as he preached, people were responding, people were getting saved. So much so that the apostles back in Jerusalem had heard what was going on. And so Peter went up to go and see what was happening. Acts chapter 8 verse 15 and 17 says this, When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them 
and they received the Holy Spirit. So you can see that as the gospel went out, so the apostles went and saw what was happening and they felt it necessary for these people to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. We read of Paul's conversion and Ananias, this faithful disciple, came or is sent to go and pray for Paul. Acts chapter 9 verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, we see this happening as Peter goes out to Cornelius' house to meet with the Gentiles who were gathered there. Acts chapter 10, verses 42 and 46. He commanded us, says Peter, to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So here Peter is now crossing the boundary, going from the Jewish community to the Gentile, the non-Jewish community. And as he is preaching, people are responding to that and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. It is necessary for the Holy Spirit to touch those who are being made into disciples. And finally, we read in Acts 19, a situation where Paul finds some disciples in Ephesus. Acts 19, verses 1 to 6. It says, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied, and that would have been a baptism of immersion in water. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So when we're asking the question, is this necessary? then we're seeing that the early disciples made it a priority that people received an anointing of the Holy Spirit to enable them to be disciples who could carry on the work of Jesus. So yes, I believe it is very necessary. Okay, our fifth question is this, how does it help? How does this empowering, how does this clothing with power help us? Well, it is literally that. It is a clothing, it is an empowering to enable us to do the work of God. The actual, you know, what is power? Power is the strength and energy to enable you to accomplish something. You have a battery which powers something. It enables that piece of technology to work or to function or whatever it might be, that toy or something like that. And we want to receive this empowering of the Holy Spirit so that we, disciples, those who believe in Jesus and are following him, can have the ability to carry out the work that he wants us to do here upon the earth. 
The Holy Spirit, you like, if you like, is what I call the agent of heaven. John 16, verses 13 and 14 read like this. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me, says Jesus, by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. The Holy Spirit comes to us, and he comes to guide us into truth. And he takes the things of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus, he takes those things and he makes them known to us. And he also... Not only does that, but he gives us gifts. And we read of this in 1 Corinthians 12. So let me just read to you 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 to 11. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, the one spirit gives gifts of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts, he alone decides which gift each person should have. On that first day of Pentecost, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, people speaking in tongues, people being saved and transformed. That was the day when this promise that Jesus had of the Holy Spirit was fulfilled, and that empowering is still for us today. How does it work? It gives us extra insights, it gives us gifts, it gives us power, it gives us ability to enable us to carry on the work that God wants to do here upon the earth. That is what it does. And that brings us to our last question, which is this. How can I receive this empowering? How can I be clothed, as it were, with the Holy Spirit? And there's three quick points that I want to bring to this. First of all, Firstly, how can we receive this? We need to understand that God wants to give you this gift. God is waiting. God has done all the work and he has a gift and he wants to give it to you. So it's like anybody giving you a gift. You need to understand they're giving you the gift. And when they're holding out a gift in front of you, what do you do? You don't just stand there saying like, oh. you take the gift and you receive it. So we need to understand and we need to be sure God has a gift and he has a gift for you to enable you to do the work that he wants here upon the earth. Now, knowing that he has that gift that he wants to give it to you, there is a sense in which we need to receive it. We need to ask for it. We need to say, Lord, I want to receive this gift. So there's one thing knowing. There's another thing in our hearts of saying, I want to take hold of that. I want to receive that. And so there's a sense of knowing. There is also a sense of asking him for it, receiving it. And finally, there's the case of believing that what God has said he would do, he will do for you. God is not a liar. His word is written so that we might know that it's sure and steadfast. And he has said, I will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And he who has come to baptize with the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you with his Holy Spirit so that you have every power, empowering and ability to carry out the work that God has called for you to do in your life. 
So how can we receive this? Understand that God wants to give it to you. Ask him for it, receive it, and believe that having done that, you will receive the gift that he has given to you. Now, I want to say something for those who have already said, yeah, I am baptised with the Holy Spirit. I have this, maybe you can speak in tongues, but maybe you've left those gifts or other gifts you have received. Maybe you've left them and they're just collected dust, they're lying dormant. I want to say to you, don't just put things onto one side. If you have the ability to speak in tongues, use the gift that has been given to you because it's been given to you to empower you and to strengthen you. And if something has been given to you that will actually help you, that you are leaving on one side or you're not making use of it, then that seems to be very foolish indeed. The gifts that God gives are there to enable you to carry out his work. Don't just let them collect dust. But if you have received this baptism, then make use of the gifts and the power that come from on high to help you. Now let me ask you a question here this morning. You've heard all that I've said and maybe you are in that state. You're thinking, I would like to receive this. I want to receive this. How can I respond to it? And as I said to you, we need to understand that God wants to give it to you, that you need to be respecting and, and waiting for that and we need to be believing that God would do that. Don't think that God has got this for other people but not for me. Remember what Peter said about the prophet Joel. This is for all people. And that includes you. God wants to give you this gift and he wants to empower you because he has called you and chosen you that you might carry out his work. And here is God saying, to carry out my work, I want to give you this ability, this empowering. All you need to do is to take hold of it. And I want to pray for you this morning, if that's you, that you might take hold of this gift, that you might respond to this promise, you might respond to what God wants to do in your life, and you might receive this gift. Now it might be that you're in a room and there's several people around you and you don't want to stand up and say, oh, this is for me. But nevertheless, in your heart and in your mind now, I'm going to pray for you. Father, those, oh God, who are responding to you this morning, those, oh Lord, who are feeling that strength of faith, that encouragement in their spirits to reach out to you, I pray for them in the name of Jesus. Father, you came and you sent your son to baptize with the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray, be released upon these people. Those that are asking, those that are seeking, those that are desiring to know that empowering in their lives, have mercy upon them, God, and meet with them. Strengthen them and touch them this morning, I pray, in Jesus' name. And for those of you who may have left these gifts on one side, who are no longer using the gift, oh, yes, I think I spoke in tongues once, but I've let that drop. I want to encourage you and speak to you. Don't let those gifts lie dormant. Pick them up. Dust them down. Make use of them. Because they are there to strengthen you, to encourage you, to enable you to live the life that God has called you to live. So dust those gifts down. Go back to God. The first place we need to go back to is that of repentance. Lord, I have ignored what you have given to me. Please, Lord, refresh the work of your Holy Spirit in my life so that I may carry out my purpose for you upon the earth. As we go into this week, I really want to encourage you to seek God, call upon him. And, you know, if you ask for that gift of the Holy Spirit, then let God's presence come upon you. You need to open your mouth if you're going to speak in tongues. God doesn't force anything on us, but he wants us to be open to receive from him that we might live for him. Whatever you do this week, I pray that God will be with you and you have a blessed week. Be encouraged and we'll see you again next week. God bless you.
Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.